Welcome to What Do You Think? I'm Al. I'm C. And tonight's review is uh, Jordan Peele's uh, Nope, his third film. Um, Jordan Peele is such an easy topic to talk about, I feel, because oh, yeah. there are, there's only now three films of his to talk about. As a filmmaker, I mean. I mean, as, yeah, a, as, com- a, as a comedian, it's a whole other... It's, that's so amazing, though, that, like... His, his, you talk about his films, it's one conversation. And when you talk about his, let's just say his acting and comedic work, it's a totally different thing. Dude, it's so weird. I was reading like one of the, one of the Hollywood trade trades did a, um, did, did like a interview with him, did like a whole like article on him. And he, like, it's so weird that he comes off as a very, I guess you would say serious artist. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, like, like. They paint him in the same way they paint Nolan, very serious and down to earth. Yeah. And it's like, if you, like, listen, I knew Jordan Peele from his from his Mad TV days, so mm-hmm. it's always so weird to me, like, seeing and then in it, college his Key and Peele days. Yeah, and just which to see, are some legendary skits, by the way. There exactly. are a few yeah, they really great. are. They really They're, are. I still love uh, the the uh, Megan and the uh, the boyfriend, where they were just running out, walking together. It's like yeah. Megan, no, Megan. <laughs> No, no. And, and and that's again, that's just the crazy thing is that like ever since Get Out, he's become like this very he, he's portrayed as a very serious, grounded artist, mm-hmm. you know, like he doesn't deal with like, quote unquote, light or silly subjects. It, it's so odd. Well, I mean, no, but he still does comedic stuff like his acting. He still does comedic stuff. Yeah. Though. Like, I mean, the most recent thing he did, I think, was Toy Story. No, he he has another voice role in the can, but I don't know when, for it's uh, Wendell and Wild, and it's actually directed by uh, the guy who made James of the Giant Peach. Oh, Henry Selick. Uh, Henry Selick. So that's gonna be that could be really good. I'm actually very interested in that. Yeah, and and again, it just comes down to the fact that like because you know when when the logline for Get Out came out, people were like, oh, this is gonna be a horror comedy, mm-hmm. right? And then. The first trailer hits, and it's like, no, no, this is a straight up horror movie, oh, yeah. and and it's, it's just so weird that because I don't think his persona has changed. I think he's still the same Jordan Peele he was even back during the Mad TV days. Well, I think what it is is that there, the private side of him is now public. I think it was always there. He just was like, oh, but that's not what I do. It's like that's what I am, but that's not what I do for work. And now he gets to have both sides. Yeah, I think it's just weird that like. Like, you know, when you read articles on him or when he does interviews or anything like that, they really portray him as like this very, very serious guy. And he very well could be that. I mean, famously, Rowan Atkinson is a very serious, no nonsense guy. But he he fucking created, you know, uh, Mr. Bean uh, and Blackadder. But uh, but Jordan Peele, you know, it's just it's just weird because, you know, it's again. And Johnny English. Yeah. Well, with Jordan Peele, his. His persona hasn't changed. Like w- when you watch videos on him, he's still the same Jordan Peele. Like he's like, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, he's a little silly, you know, he's a little, he- he's very lighthearted. And that's to, the thing. Da- to date, Key and Peele's interview with Hot Ones is one of the best interviews that is ever done Yeah, on that show. And it's because they're both, and he is very much part of that. They're both hilarious. Like they're really hilarious. Funny. Like here, here's the thing. He's laid back. But people portray him as very, like, serious. And I always found that really odd about him. Mm. Um, now, in terms of his filmmaking, again, it's really easy to talk about because he's only up to now made three films. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked the first act of Get Out. 
And I liked some of the second act, but with the third act reveal, I was like, yeah, no, this is this 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 whole tone and plot is throwing me off and I'm I'm not digging it. See, for me, I re- though it was not my favorite movie of the year at the time, I loved Get Out from beginning to end, I really enjoyed it. It was basically, it's guess who's coming to dinner, but a horror film, basically. Yeah, no, yeah, totally. And, and it's, the, that's a genius idea, really. But, but here's the thing, though. It went from like a, a horror a horror film version of Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, and then it just became this weird B-movie climax where I was like, wait, that's what's happening? That's a little silly. I, See, I, 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 I it liked didn't work it for me. It worked for me because also I, at the end of the day, if you're gonna go B movie, you go all the way, and they they he did and no yeah and it I also just like so I like that aspect of it and I also really just I thought the ending sequence was great. Also, real quick, one of the best lines in that movie, and it's one of, it's it's really an amazing and it shows Jordan Peele's humor. By the way, is there's a great line. That the uh, the father makes. Oh, what's the actor's name? Brad uh, Bradley Whitford. Bradley Whitford gives this great line where he goes up to the lead and goes, "Oh, I, I love Obama. By the way, um, I would have voted for him for a third term if I could." That line is so funny and so condescending in an amazing way. No, and yeah, that, that's really a good line. Well. I I I really like the line that Lil Ray Hari says at the end. Uh, about the TSA. Oh um, yeah. And I'm I'm paraphrasing it. I, I can't seem to remember it exactly. Uh, 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 TSA got its shit together or something like that. Well, there was that, or when he was talking to the uh, the girlfriend, and he's like, "What the hell?" And it's like a weird conversation. And when it ends, he goes, "She's a genius. She's got that crazy bitch. She's a goddamn genius." That's very funny. Well, well, I again, I really like the ending. I think I thought the ending was very, very good. I just, I was like, everything leading up to this, I found really silly. That being said, Mm -hmm. uh, when Us came out, you and I also saw it together. And man, what what was the first thing I said? I said Lupita Nyong'o is brilliant in it. Oh, she's she is, she brings her A game. She lets people know, I am going. Full method, even though I don't actually think that's what she did. She, like, I'm going full ham on this. She is so brilliant in that. It's it's some yeah. of her best work. The fight scene she has in Us is, a, is such a powerful fight scene because while, you know, it's... I, I hesitate to use this word, but it's pretty run-of-the-mill pedestrian the way it's choreographed. Mm-hmm. Just the context of it, right? The way it's performed, the music that goes along with it. Oh, it's great it. music. Dun, it, dun, dun, dun. It's great. It's just, it's so good. And I remember thinking to myself, like, this is one of my favorite performances of the year. But the plot makes no sense whatsoever. Like, Well, the can- plot's really out there. And what saves the plot, kind of, is half of the ending. Half of the ending is really good. And then, unfortunately, half of the ending kind of loses me. The, the the thing with us and kind of by extension Jordan Peele is that he has such a unique way of thinking in terms of story mm-hmm. that I feel like sometimes, you know, he comes up with a really good analogy, a really good metaphor, mm-hmm. but can't really seem to be able to express that mat- metaphor in a in a narrative that would in a satisfying narrative, at least for me. 
right? That that that's mm-hmm. kind of been my my view of us, and to a greater extent with uh, with with Get Out was. So that, just for, wait, just for the record, uh, which between those two, which do you like more? Oh, I I definitely like us more um, because okay. like don't get me wrong, I love Daniel Kaluuya, but I just think the acting from Lupita Nyong'o is just so much stronger in Us, and I. I'm a sucker for having really well done family dynamics. Mm. And I mean, to be quite honest, the, the family dynamics in us is really, really well done. Oh, it's great. It's um, great. For me, but, the just, and I won't get into it too much for me. The record is, uh, get out because the idea is so unique, original and clever. Uh, and the acting is great too, that it, it, it does. I actually like it significantly more than us. I enjoy us, but I had problems with it. But well, Get well, Out, I think, is a genius. For, for me, it's it's they're a lot closer together. Mm. Um, but there, th- I will say this: I I absolutely adore the ending in Get Out, and the ending in Us, or, or no, the the implications that come with in in the ending of Us. I'm like befuddled. Not the immediate implications with the family but just kind of the more bigger scope thing where i was like no the bigger scope part doesn't make sense but the family dynamic at the end is shocking and freaky yeah yeah no totally um and but listen credit to jordan peele oh yeah like him like nolan like tarantino like like jordan peele has such a a unique way to approach a narrative a story an idea that you, you just got to give him props for it, man. It's And you got to see it. No, yeah. It's it's one of those things where I'm like, in all three movies, I leave going like, well, I wouldn't have ever thought it would go that direction. Yeah. And listen, it there's something to be said about having that type of, of you know, thinking, that type of creative process. Uh, I'll just say up front that I think like with Nope, the his ideas, his his ideas and his execution of the ideas to me are the strongest in Nope for me, for me. Um, I know a lot of directing wise. Yes. Oh yeah. Uh, I, and we'll go more into that as we start with our review. Uh, first, I just like to say for our listeners out there, you can't really talk about Nope without, you know, going into full spoiler territory. You literally can't like you start the movie and you, you, you can't, like, so, like the, the things, it, yeah. yeah, the things that the trailers are trying to hide in, in Nope, like those things get revealed probably halfway through the first act. Um, there's, there's things that aren't in the trailers that are immediately shown to you, like literally as the film starts. Mm-hmm. So if you really want to go in as blind as you can, please, you know, this is going to be one of those things where you're like, well, this is how I feel about the movie. Let's see if I agree or disagree with them. So yeah, straight up. We're just going to go delve into spoilers. I know we normally try to save those for the end, but yeah, that's not going to happen here. Yeah, I can't. Should, so do you want to start with the trailer? Yeah, we're starting with the trailer. Sweet. Let's do it. Did you know that the very first assembly of photographs to create a motion picture was a two-second clip of a black man on a horse? And that man is my great-great-grandfather. Great. There's another great-grandfather. But that's why back at the Haywood Ranch, as the only black-owned horse trainers in Hollywood, we like to say, since the moment pitches could move, we had skin in the game. Mm-hmm. 
was a bad miracle. They got word for that. decent trailer although i will admit and i understand why you picked this one i think the second trailer they made was far better even though it reveals more yeah i i I actually think that probably the second trailer came about because people were very confused like i wouldn't be surprised and you know that i think that the second trailer the reason it goes into what it goes to is because they're like we need to let people know exactly what this thing is about um as far as we can tell them so uh so for those of you who seen the movie or haven't seen the movie, again, we're going to talk about spoilers. Yep. Here uh, we go. Yeah. Nope is essentially an alien movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what I mean by that is that uh, the brother and sister characters played by their names are OJ is the older brother. Emerald is the younger sister. They're played by uh, Dana Kaluuya and Kiki Palmer, respectively. And their father, played by the great Keith David, they they run a they run a horse they run a horse ranch uh, for stunt horses in Hollywood films. So this takes place in California. Uh, Well, one day uh, out of nowhere, just random shit just starts falling from the sky, and one of them, a coin, hits Keith David's character, and he dies. And six months later, you know uh, the. OJ and Emerald are trying to keep the business afloat. You know, they're not getting really any work. And they realize that there's something in the sky, right? They see something in the sky and mm-hmm. they realize, oh shit, it's aliens. And if we take a photo of one, we're going to make a ton of money and solve our problems. So they rope in a guy from Fry's Electronics and a DP that they know from a commercial shoot played by Michael Wincott into trying to get a photograph of this alien in the while all this is happening they have a neighbor played by steve yoon who uh was this former child actor who survived a chimpanzee attack during the second sitcom he worked on now i should i should add so just for some some context here this the character played by steve yoon is the equivalent of yeah, as you said, big big child child actor from like the seventies and eighties. Nineties. Nineties Okay, nineties. From the nineties. But huge actually, yeah, that makes sense. Why am I saying seventies? From the nineties, big child actor, um, who then starts basically a carnival and he opens it up near their ranch. Uh and it is the way we're introduced to this incident with the chimpanzee is not all at once. And that's I think something very important to understand in this movie is a lot of what we're saying, for the most part, is not revealed all at once. It's in these little bits throughout, I'd say, most of the first act and about half of the second act. Like, you don't know everything, at least as far as, like, the past and, like, what exactly this thing is 
until just a little bit before the halfway point of the movie. So it's, I think it's important to understand the way he is telling the story. But go on. Uh, sure. So um, Steve Yoon's character, uh, who goes by, uh, he had a, his first sitcom, he was called a cowboy named Jupiter. And he, his whole carnival is based around his first sitcom character. Um, I but, thought it was like his movie. No, Maybe no, no, that. no. It was his. It was his first sitcom was him being a cowboy. Okay. His second sitcom was the one with the chimp. Gotcha. Now, for some people, come to his carnival, come to his his little amusement park, just to ask him about what happened with the chimp, because the chimp basically went crazy when they were shooting an episode during the second season and killed the two actors who played the parents and seriously, seriously maimed the actress who played his older sister. He was the only one to come out of that unscathed. Mm -hmm. uh, so that is important to the plot, even though for a big chunk of the movie, you're just like, okay, what is, why is all these flashbacks with the chimp important to the narrative? And to be clear though, that those flashbacks with the chimp are terrifying. No, yeah. So the movie actually starts off with us seeing that bloody chimp looking directly into the camera. Yeah. And at first you're but like in the in the birthday child's outfit too, which makes it extra freaky. Yeah. So like at first I was like, wait, is is this like a new intro for the monkey's paw logo? And I'm like, oh no, this is the actual movie. Mm -hmm. uh, what does a monkey have to do with the aliens? Because you know the the trailer at least uh, the second trailer kind of really pushes the point that this is about aliens. Mm -hmm. uh, and you're just kind of like, well, what's what what is the chimp about, right? So. Um, that's the plot, uh, pretty mm -hmm. much. Uh, we'll, we'll get into kind of the resolution as we continue on with our review, but that's kind of the setup. Yeah. Uh, Steve Yoon plays this, plays this guy who owns this amusement park next to them who had a traumatic experience. Uh, Dan Kaluuya and Kiki Palmer play siblings who are trying to run a horse ranch, uh, but are not doing a good job. And there's something in the sky that they think is our aliens or yeah. alien spaceship. Yeah. So. And it looks um, like a flying saucer. Well, yeah, it looks like a traditional flying saucer. Yeah. So, uh, see, give me your thoughts on the film. I know we talked about it a bit when we were leaving the theater, but give me your overall thoughts on the film. Now that you've had a minute to marinate on it, what, do you, yeah. what, what did you think about this movie? So, my thing is, um, I, and I'm thinking about parts we haven't discussed yet about the movie as well, but overall, I really enjoyed this movie. I thought, again... Like with Get Out, he brought extreme originality to a very, to a widely used uh, premise in a lot of movies. He made it very much his own, uh, in a, in more ways than one. So I think I really appreciated that. I think it significantly, though I didn't quite like it as much as Get Out. I did like it more than Us, both in the way it was directed, and the chemistry between the characters. To be clear, um, the chemistry between the two siblings is fantastic. Oh, it's definitely, really good. Definitely, yeah. Like no, no one's denying that we like, like even people who like aren't loving this movie as much, which overall the reviews have been positive, but there are a few people who aren't enjoying this as much. And, but we're even looking they, at you, Logan Paul, <laughs> we're looking at you. Oh yeah. I forgot. But, um, but even they like it w w probably would admit, oh yeah, the chemistry between their brother and sister is fantastic. Like it just works in every way. Um, I just also really 
So you've got the great chemistry. You've got the original premise. Okay, so right off the bat, you're ready to make a good movie. So then what do you need? Well, you need some good action sequences. And the action sequences aren't perfect. And if anything, they're actually a little awkward at times. But it balances it out because then it does something a little funny at some point. Like minorly, not like like spin a ball on someone's nose comical or slapsticky but something kind of funny happens and you're like oh okay i'm kind of with i'm on it kind of realigns you on the movie's wavelength um it actually has one of the ba- one of the best uh let's just call it fear fake outs i've seen in a long time um can i tell them what the scene is oh, of course so it's the scene where basically uh daniel kaluuya's kaluuya's Daniel Kaluuya's character is being stalked by three aliens. And it's terrifying because you just see these weird furry creatures with strange faces just kind of following him. And you realize something's very, very, very wrong. Um, And like you're on like you're there's actually a great moment where one of them's just getting closer and closer and closer. And then there's a second one. And a third one just pops out from behind a door and he just goes, he says the movie's title. He goes, nope. And he runs, he he starts (laughs) to leave. And it was funny and scary because they, they lit it just right. So where these things looked really scary. Also, they added some sound effects too, I'm sure. But then it's revealed, oh, they were, it was, it was a prank because it was three of Steen Yoon's, uh, what's the actual character's name? Um, I believe so. He goes by Jupiter a lot, but his the character's actual name is Richard Park. But, okay, but, but, but he goes by Jupiter. Jupiter. So Jupiter. They're Jupiter's three kids, and like they take off the masks and they laugh, and it was like a fun little prank, and they run off. So that moments like that really balance what is the genuinely terrifying moments that come later on, and throughout the movie in general. So overall, I really liked the tightrope that this film walked. Did it nearly fall sometimes? Unfortunately, at a couple moments, yes. But overall, this was just a highly original movie that you you have to marvel at how original it I'm repeating myself a lot, but I just marveled at how original it was. That's, I think, my main like focus here. So I, I got to agree with you, see, the... What blew me away about this film was just the the unique take it had on a genre that's been done a million times over. Right? To death, like to famously. death. Yeah, I mean, alien invasion flicks have been done constantly since the fifties with no end in sight. Mm-hmm. And you know, even even the best ones out there, I would mm-hmm. argue something like War of the Worlds by Steven Spielberg, Signs by by M. Night Shyamalan. Hell, I love I love Mars Attacks. It's a comedy, but it's great. Yeah, but they all follow pretty much the same kind of visual cues, you know? Oh, yeah. You have, like, if not little green men, then you have, like, these long, slender, humanoid-looking things, mm-hmm. right? And the spaceships really don't have much variety to them, you know? There are some no, exceptions, but, you know... Are. But believe it or not, when it comes to alien invasion flicks... For some reason, the alien spacecraft all look similar, whereas when you got like space opera stuff like Star Trek or, or Star Wars, then you get variety in spaceships. I, well, I, I don't know because, why. but No, no, I can tell you why. Because at the end of the day, 
the folks seeing the alien invasion movies, you're getting a more general crowd who may not be as interested in the lore of said aliens. They just want to know, yep, that's an alien. While with Star Trek and Star Wars, and mainly Star Trek actually, you're getting into the lore of these alien beings who have their own unique culture and technology. So that's, I think, why you see those differences. Okay, so... um... One of the big twists in the film, if not the biggest twist in the film. Actually, I would yeah, it's it's the biggest twist in the film. Mm-hmm. Is that there is no little green men. There are no quote-unquote aliens in a spaceship. Nothing's the, nothing's piloting the ship. Yeah. The ship is the alien or at the very least some animal that's never been seen by human eyes before. The ship is alive. The, yes, the ship is alive. But, and again, credit to Jordan Peele. This isn't like, oh, some sort of flying bird monster no. or or some sort of, of weird robot thing that, you know, just is terrorizing people. No, 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 no. Jordan Peele takes the concept of alien and extraterrestrial and goes with it. This, this being, this, this animal, if you can call it that, Mm-hmm. has no biology that we would call biology. We would it, not understand it. Yeah, we would not understand it. This thing literally comes off as a sentient, a giant piece of sentient cloth. And, and I know that, that sounds weird. Able, but then it's able to shape itself into a solid saucer-like mass at times. Yes, it, I, know, I know that sounds really, really weird. But trust me, when you see it, your jaw will hit the floor. It's, yeah, when it's that, in its, let's just call it its final form, so to speak. Like, but, our jaws, the, Alan and I and our friend who came with us, our jaws were agape at its design. So then... Listen, I'm good. I forgot who posted it on Twitter, but credit to someone on Twitter. The best way to describe this creature is, uh, and see, I know you've never seen the series or the movies. Mm-hmm. The best way to describe it is that if this was one of the angels from Neon Genesis Evangelion. Well, he uh, may have taken some inspiration. We know Jordan Peele's a fan of anime, which yeah, we'll get into later. Yeah. Um, so, again, this thing comes off as like a giant piece of cloth that shapes itself. I guess the best way to describe it is a jellyfish, uh, a jellyfish or a weird mix of a jellyfish and a butterfly made out of, made out of thread. So one thing I said after we left the theater is that it's design. I felt like it's designed was based off of the things that people have used to explain UFOs. That, so, that's yeah, yeah. I, I would agree with you. I think that's what it is. And listen again, it was who, all of them. Who else but Jordan like, Peele? Its mouth was a kite. Yes. Of yes. That's the only way I can describe like, like, it. It's like, weird. Like again, who else but Jordan Peele can be like, you know what? The alien is literally like this sentient piece of, of fabric that create makes itself into different shapes, mm-hmm. and you you can't you don't see an eye, you don't see a mouth, you don't see ears, but you know it's alive. Right. Well, there is a. It has a mouth. <laughs> no, it, it it has a mouth, but you don't know how it works. No, yeah, it just opens and things and, just and, go and, up. And the way it opens, it's almost kind of kind of like a kaleidoscope of thread, and you're just yeah. like, I don't, I don't understand. And again, that's what made my jaw drop the floor. Like, who else but Jordan Peele could have been like, 
this is what it truly means to be alien. You know, mm -hmm. I, I, I absolutely loved it. And I loved how he approached the idea of this extraterrestrial being kind of terrorizing this valley in California. Mm -hmm. um, we know the we know the we know the being is sentient. We know it can think. We know it doesn't like it when people look at it. It we mm -hmm. know it's hungry. We know we know it, it can have a bit of an attitude problem, right? Mm -hmm. It's territorial. Yes. But and this kind of ties into the larger theme of what Nope is about. If you're wondering what Nope is about, the 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 being isn't the the being never makes an attempt to communicate. We never we never get a sense that it's it's nature, but we, outer we, nature. Or or we never get a sense of like just how sentient it is. You know, because it, it it behaves like a like a predatory animal essentially. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's no attempt to like take us to your leader or anything like that. It acts like an animal. So. Uh, Daniel Kaluuya's character, OJ, makes the assumption that, okay, this is an animal, a predatory animal that has rules. So mm -hmm. we have to approach it. Uh, we have to approach it as people approaching strong, powerful animals. And that's the theme of the movie is that, you know, sometimes man isn't, isn't, does, doesn't have dominion over, over nature. You know, mm -hmm. which is which is kind of the the same ideas that we see in uh, in in um, in the amazing Werner Herzog documentary Grizzly Man, mm -hmm. right? That man sometimes man doesn't have dominion over nature, uh, and we got to know how to work. We we got to know how to accept that, right? Yeah. So earlier we were talking about the the scene with the chimp, uh, Steve Yoon's character Ricky Park, his backstory with the chimp. And again, for a big chunk of the movie, you're like, well, what does this have to do with the alien thing? And essentially, the second big twist in the film, it's not as big as the big twist that the ship itself is the, that the ship isn't a ship, it's an animal. Mm -hmm. um, the, the big thing is that for these past six months, uh, Jupiter Park has been trying to tame the, the being for what basically amounts to a laser show. Mm -hmm. And that he's been buying horses from OJ and Emerald to basically feed to the to the to the being mm -hmm. uh, for this laser show. And when he finally decides to, you know, reveal the show, uh, this flying being goes like, wait, I'm not doing this. And all of you are looking at me. So I'm going to eat you. And they all die. And it, it, it directly relates to the chimp because. The chimp was, and they they do spell this out in the movie. It was it just was one day tired of putting on the show. It was done, so it reacted accordingly. It made it made the show stop by basically killing everybody except for Steve Yoon's character. Now, and Steve Steve Yoon's character takes this to mean that he has that because he survived, he has dominion over nature. Like, mm -hmm. like he basically thinks like, oh, the chimp didn't kill me. That means I must be able to make connection with these wild animals. Mm -hmm. And he takes that assumption to to trying to tame the the flying thing, the flying alien. Now, yeah. now, all this that we're talking about is kind of my big critique of the film. Um, so for most of the film, right, we have two two unquestioned leads. 
Kiki Palmer's Emerald, and Daniel Kaluuya's OJ. Mm-hmm. Uh, these are our two leads, right? Mm-hmm. We, we Most of our focus are on them, and that's what we do. Weirdly enough, the movie shows us Steve Yoon's Ricky Park's traumatic backstory more than it shows him in the present. Mm-hmm. So he doesn't come off as the third lead, even though... According to the mer- according to the marketing materials, and the film would like you to believe that he is a third lead, but we hardly ever see him in the present. And in fact, we don't even know what's kind of his purpose, or we're never given a clear idea of what his purpose is to to the film until the end of the second act, where he's already dead. It's like we're mm-hmm. like, oh, okay. I and you after the film, you kind of have to put it all together to be like, oh. He had an arrogance because the chimp didn't kill him, hence why he tried to, to tame the, the flying alien. But in the film proper, you're just like, why are we focusing more on his flashback or his past and not on him proper? And my, this is what I believe. I think the film was probably significantly longer. Yes, I was waiting for you. To, sorry. I'm sorry for interrupting. <laughs> and I'm going to let you say it. But yes, I was literally talking to our mutual friend, or, damn, I might have to bleep that out. Yeah, but, I got that. <laughs> um, but I was just talking to someone about this, and I am convinced that you are absolutely right about that. Because that, it, go on, that makes that is on the money. I absolutely agree with that. I because the thing is, is that you know it, it's so odd <laughs> when when you're given when you're given so much information that. Or, or you're given information on what is um, what's the word on kind of on kind of building a character, but you hardly see the character. I'm convinced yeah. this was probably a two hour, 45 minute movie where where we saw, you know, Ricky Park dealing with his trauma, mis misrepresenting it as him as an arrogance that he has dominion over nature and kind of us seeing the horrible things he does in order to, to tame and this alien. And I think alien. there were more scenes between the brother and sister and Steve Yoon's character yes. than there ended up being. Exactly. You know, um, for instance, when you bring up the prank that his children did to, to Dan Kaluuya's character, we never get a sense of, like, why they did it. What was the mm-hmm. purpose of that? I mean, yeah. I, I'm inferring because they're just kids well i'm inferring that earlier in the film kiki palmer's character steals uh a stat a horse statue from steve yoon's uh amusement park which that scene is funny in itself but go on sorry um and when he when he meets them and he sees the statue he 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 makes it seem like oh they just bought a statue that like the one i have but then when we see the when we see the scene with the his kids pranking them we're like well what was that about and you're like, oh, I guess Steve Yoon realized that they stole his stuff and this is his payback. But we, we never get to see him plan it, the prank. We never get to see, or we never get to see him interact with the fallout of the prank. Like his kids, like what they say, did you get the statue back? Nothing like that, you know? Mm-hmm. We, we see so little of him, but we, we see so much of his backstory that I'm just mm-hmm. like, there's a character here that, that Jordan Peele wrote that, you, you, he kind of wanted to show the contrasting one character who's like, oh, I control all of nature. And a pair of characters are heroes who are like, who are like, 
we don't control nature. The best we can do is come to an agreement with it, which mm -hmm. obviously is the big theme of the film that you cannot control nature. You can just come to an agreement with it on its own terms. Um, but I, I feel like most of the stuff on the cutting room floor was from Steve Yoon's character. So we, he doesn't feel fleshed out, even though we literally see his flashbacks. Well, he is, and he is, and he isn't because we yeah. know more about him, but we don't see him very much. Yeah. We, we know, we know the things that made him, but we don't get to see him be him. Does that make mm -hmm. sense? The it only, absolutely does. The only time we get that is when he decides to do the show in front of an audience. We see his nervousness, then his, his, him kind of, him kind of making, uh, uh, him kind of like psyching himself up for it. And then we see the horror in his face when he's about to be eaten. And you know what would have worked, I realize, because I understand that, uh, that they finished their, the director's cut and they're like, well, shit, it's three hours. <laughs> like, what the fuck? We can't do that. Sorry. And they, so they cut it down and they're like, okay, we got it to a more manageable time. You know, all they needed to make this more, to work just a little bit more, is like a taxi driver type, you talking to me scene in his office. Yeah. Doesn't have to be crazy, doesn't have to be him losing his mind, just something like that. Hell, it can happen right before his wife walks in and gets ready for the show. Yeah. We just needed that to like understand his mental state a little bit. That's what, all we needed. What I would argue that we needed was we needed the reveal that he knew about the the alien the alien being earlier in the film so that we would be able to connect oh he's not afraid of it because he stopped being afraid of the chimp mm -hmm. we needed that we needed that to connect because it, it just doesn't connect you 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 put together everything after the movie ends which again it just you leave going like well what, what was that all about because on, after we left, I thought to myself, like, the stuff with the chimp was unnecessary because nothing – Steve Yoon's hardly a character in the present. His character is more compelling in the past because, you know, he's trying to not die, mm -hmm. right? But then when you realize that, like, oh, because he survived the chimp attack, he thinks that he can survive whatever this alien thing is going to throw at him, and mm -hmm. he's wrong. But I feel like if a film had just that one scene, you know, because here's the thing. I don't I, I think if they didn't cut it for time, they cut it because they wanted another surprise that like, oh, shit, Steve Yoon's character knows about the alien. He's the reason why the alien's around. I think and, it was cut for time, in my opinion. No, no I, I think so, too. But I'm, I'm also thinking that if it was because they wanted another twist. And to me, it's like, no, I mean, you, you really don't. The big twist is that the thing's alive. That's all you yeah. need. That, 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 that's going to make people go like, oh, shit, because that's not been done before. Yeah. Um, but in any case, that was my biggest problem was that there's there's this whole character work with uh, Ricky Park that you see in his flashbacks, but you don't see in the present. And it just makes this big disconnect between his story and the story of Emerald and uh, O.J. Haywood. Mm -hmm. Now, that, that to me is my biggest critique. My second biggest critique is the one I share with you, see, is that... Uh, when it came down to the big spectacle sequences with the with the alien, right? Them trying to get a picture of it, them chasing it, them running away from it. Mm. I agree with you. There were many times where I was like, "Oh well, Jordan Peele has never worked on a film of this scale, so it's the editing's clunky." Um, mm. it, the the biggest the biggest sin those sequences create is that the 
the way space plays out in those sequences, you get confused. You're like, well, how close is the sh- how close is the alien to to Daniel Kaluuya? Mm-hmm. How where is where is Daniel Kaluuya in relationship to Kiki Palmer, uh, the Fry's Electronics guy, and the DP? Like like spatially, I was very confused. Right. Yeah. Um, once the once the film cut to much wider shots where we saw the alien, I was like, okay, it's looking really big now. Does that mean it's about to catch Daniel Kaluuya? Um, like things like that. And again, this is the first time he's ever done something of such a giant spectacle. Mm-hmm. Like, like, oh, I'm, I'm trying to think. Like, he's only done a couple fight scenes. And, and um... No, yeah, nothing nothing to this yeah, he, incredibly never, large scale. No, he's never done anything of that large scale. This is blockbuster level stuff. Yeah, which he and, said that was meant, this was going to be his, like, big one. Like, his big Yeah, and so there's, there's, you know, there's, like, there's, there's some stuff where it's like, okay, well, he's a beginner. He doesn't have like it's very rare when a first time director who or when a director a first time director's big blockbuster movie has like coherent editing and sequence design because uh, most of the time they just hand those off to the second unit and they're the ones who do it. Mm-hmm. That's why all, that's why all the Marvel stuff always looks consistent even when they have like like uh, newbieish directors. And obviously, yeah. obviously, this film had a second unit team, but Jordan Peele comes off as a type of director who's very hands on with stuff like this. And I don't blame him. You know, this is his baby. Um, well, they're all his babies, but, you know, yeah. um, so so that was my biggest critique of the film or my second biggest critique of the film in terms of filmmaking was that uh, this sequence has a little is kind of messing up here and there. But listen, I mean, hell. That, that pales in comparison to just the bang-up job he, he, they did in just, like, the creature design. It's so unique. Mm-hmm. So not something I've ever seen before. Like, I literally was so excited because I was like, wow, this this just opens the door. Like, 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 you're not beholden to, like, people's expectations of, like, well, it has to be some like it's got to look like a giant whale or a kaiju or, or some cra- I was convinced when its mouth opened you got a closer look it was going to look like a crab's mouth yeah I was convinced or we we're going to see something like spider like in there and I'm like yeah okay. exactly and and the fact it's that animal. it doesn't the fact that he went so out there was like yes this I really really like mm-hmm. um you know so again we say our we have our three leads in uh, Steve Yoon uh Dan Kaluuya and Kiki Palmer um Obviously, I think you and I are in agreement that the Steve Yoon character needed more development. Mm-hmm. Uh, out of the siblings, who did you, who was like, who who did you, who was, I don't want to say your favorite, who did you relate to more? So to be clear, you couldn't have one without the other in this movie, I think. Because if it was just, if you had one of them, they'd be annoying. If you had the other, they'd be quiet. And we, we wouldn't hear their thoughts that we needed to hear. It was kind of like he, the brother was what, what they were going to, what they were going to do. And the sister was what they were thinking. And that's how they complemented each other really well. And that's part of what really worked. Um, So by that default, I found the, I liked the brother a touch more, but again, he wouldn't have worked without Kiki Palmer's character. He's very, he's very introverted. Yes, and she's very extroverted, and that, yeah. that's what works really well. They, they balance out each other really well. But what I also enjoyed was, and you don't see this in a well, 
I think when you do see this, it's treated as a kind of negative thing. You mm -hmm. never you never really see a neutral observation of just the tension between siblings, you know, mm -hmm. like like early on, it's established that uh, Emerald has problems with OJ and OJ has problems with Emerald. You know, she's her head's up in the clouds and she's always late. Uh, OJ is very quiet and never says what he really means. And, you know, there's a tension there. They get on each other's nerves like mm -hmm. a lot. Right. But it's never treated as something that needs to be corrected. It's like, no, this is this is how siblings are yeah. uh, when they work together their chemistry and kind of their love for each other blossoms and you're like okay this is like every other this is like a real sibling relationship there's tension but under that tension there is a genuine love for each other and something i really really loved was that early in the film kiki palmer references how you know one time uh daniel kaluuya's character made a kind of made an, a silent acknowledgement of her and that that made her that made her feel really good. She felt like, oh, he acknowledges me. He cares about me. And we got a call back to that in the third act where he just looks at her. He acknowledges her. Mm -hmm. And then she kind of takes over the movie from him. Mm -hmm. And it's so well done. It's it, it really touched me because I am a, I am the oldest sibling. And, Same. you know, I, I have that. I, I've always had that. where like, yes, I acknowledge my younger siblings. I acknowledge you. And, you know, that right there just kind of shows that. In a, in a more traditional film, their their tension, their contrasting, uh, their contrasting ways, one or the other would be portrayed as being in the wrong, right? Like, mm -hmm. oh, Dan Kaluuya is too much of a, uh, of a buzzkill, or Kiki Palmer is too much of a flake, right? Like in a traditional film, you'd be the film would side with one sibling over the other. But what Jordan Peele does is like, no, they both have their pros and they both have their cons. But when they work together, they they flourish, they blossom. And I, I really like that. I think you don't I think sometimes films for the sake of time, for the sake of just moving things along, they they kind of simplify and to an extent infantilize uh, family dynamics just to mm -hmm. get to the end. And I like that Jordan Peele's like, no, this is this is much more realistic. This this is much true to life. Like they have tensions, but you know what? When they work together, they blossom. And it's, again, you see it when they butt heads over how to approach taking a picture of the alien. But then you also see how well they work together when when the Michael Wincock, Wincock's character comes with a... Whoever, who, who doesn't love Michael Wincox, for the record? I mean, he's always great in anything he does. He, he comes, so he comes up, he comes up with a crank, a hand cranking system for a IMAX camera, and the and Dan Kaluuya, Geeky Palmer just get so excited, and they just start high fiving each other. And I'm like, yeah, that's that's something siblings do when they're excited. They're like, yeah, boy, I really now, like that. For the record, that character, that actor, by the way. I mean, we've talked about this movie in, in private, but he uh, he has a fantastic role in the film Basquiat, the biopic about him, where he basically plays Basquiat's agent, and he's absolutely ridiculous. But to hear that voice in that role and in this role, they're the same voice, but you accept them both. Now, okay. we won't go in further into it, but he's got such a distinctive voice. It's so great. So, so actually, I did want to talk a little bit about Michael Wincock. So I know him from The Crow. He was the villain oh, in yes. The Crow. Yes, he is. And, and, you know, he had long hair, long black hair in The Crow. Same voice. Yep. 
Same exact voice. Same voice. I and still it, love in the trailer with, of, of Nope, they're like, yeah, they're all going to come down here and put probes up our butts. And in his deep voice, he goes, I'll be rooting for you. And it's like, <laughs> that's so great. No, no, he's, he's really great in this. Like, again, Michael Wincock is one of those character actors that he, he always gives it 100%. He, he, so I don't know if, if he's, like, playing a certain famous dp like like no, so he, he's he, just play he's just playing an oscar-winning dp that's what yeah. he's doing no that's so, all he's so, doing so his character's name is antlers hoist right yeah. and he's basically a cinematographer he's basically um who would because he's not um no he's not who you're thinking no he's not thinking. um uh who's the he, he's not john toll he's not the guy no. it, who was the DP for uh, for Rogue One? Because because basically he plays a DP who does a lot of nature stuff, but then like to make money he works on like big budget pictures and commercials. So and that reminded me of the DP from just, Rogue One. Yeah, he's also just every DP we know, every DP who's successful, where they're just they've got the coolest film toys ever. They're kind of assholes, but you respect them. And they do a lot of Coke and pills still, (laughs) still like in their forties and fifties, like still doing it. And, and by the way, they're doing it not for the enjoyment. It's for maintenance to be clear. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, At this point. Greg Frazier is who I was thinking of. Okay. Uh, Okay. So who also, who was also the DP on Dune. (laughs) <laughs> of course he was yeah so so greg frazier get these worms he's like we're gonna shoot the worms i need to do an eight ball real quick it's <laughs> like it's what it is no yeah it, it's one of those things where it's like he plays just that dedicated dp artist you know like the no-nonsense hollywood guy yeah um my only i have very little complaints about the performance i would just say that his his kind of resolution, I was a little confused by, but mm. you know, you know, sometimes you know, you don't agree with with where a character, what the direction a character goes, and that's like, well, listen, I love the movie enough that it's not something would be like, well, I didn't like it because this is what the character. No, no, no. Besides, he's not even a main character; he's like a supporting role. Uh, the, Although the, we kind of we. The, w- w- does he have as mu- ignoring the flashbacks? Does he have as much screen time as Steve Yoon? Steve Yoon might have a little bit more. It's just- close though. It's close. I'm just now, realizing the actual third lead in the film oh, is right. is the character Angel Torres, played by relative newcomer Brandon Perea, who's great uh, in this too. He, he's the he's the fly electronics guy, and honestly, he's he is such a goddamn hoot. Um. For, and for the, for those of you who don't know, Fry's Electronics is was a legendary uh, big tech, not big tech, but technology and equipment film rental and uh, uh, equipment per, uh, store. Ba- it's basically ba- what it, Big Bu- Best Buy was in like the nineties. Yeah, yeah. Basically, it was. It's like it was like not as it, it was a much more niche Best Buy, but they only yeah. had like like seven stores across the country. Yeah. Like uh, mo- most, most of, of it. Were- ch- sorry. Yeah. Most of it was in uh, LA. So. Yeah. There was one in Atlanta though, actually near where I worked. Uh, when I worked for the multimedia company, I would, I worked with for a while. There was a, fl- a Fry's electronics there. There's 
I swear there were one or two in Chicago. I don't know for sure. Most were in California, and I'm sure another one was somewhere else. But I'm I'm pretty sure one was in Texas, Las Vegas. I want to oh, say Las, Las Vegas. Vegas. Oh yeah, maybe that's where the the bigger one was. But um, I say was because despite being in this movie, they have since because they filmed this movie a while back because of COVID. But um. They have the the Fry's Electronics sadly has gone completely out of business, and it is a really it is a real shame because yeah. I've been the times I've been to Fry's Electronics, they're the coolest store for any electronic needs you got. That's where I went to um, get the hard drives. I no, I bought them online from Fry's to get the hard drives I needed to make my senior thesis, and I know mm-hmm. for a fact they were shipped from the Atlanta store. I know for a fact. Yeah. Um, he, and again, Brandon Perea plays such a fun character. He's He is the comedic relief character, mm-hmm. but, you know, he's not like a giant clown. Uh, he basically no. comes into the story because uh, the siblings decide that they want security cameras to try to take a picture of this thing. And Angel comes in to install the cameras, and he starts to realize, oh, they're trying to find an alien. And then he, he kind of forces himself to stick with them. Uh, but when the shit hits the fan, he's like, oh, oh shit. Uh, yeah, we, we need to work together to, to get something out of this because this is terrifying. Now, one of the, I think it's like the first sequence of the third act. So uh, uh, Stevian's character, Jupiter Park, tries to show off the alien to a crowd alien gets mad and decides to just eat the entire so the way it eats the crowd is like it basically sucks them sucks them and they go into the sky and they go into they go into its mouth and then it has it in its mouth until it decides to just crush them all yeah and then after it swallowed them we don't really know how it decides to spit out everything that it can't digest, you know, coins, anything made out of metal. And anything. with a lot of blood. Yeah. Sorry. So the our protagonist, our trio, pissed it off. Uh, Daniel Kaluuya actually says the title of the film, Nope Again, when he's in his truck running away from or driving away from the alien and the alien decides to hover over it. And this is all happening during like a torrential downpour. So he just notices that it stopped raining and he opens the door, looks up, sees the giant alien hovering over it and just quietly says, nope, and closes the door. Also, for the record, it got mad. I don't know if you said this because they they it ate the statue horse that they set up to see like if it would as like a trick. And when it did it, the, the because it was metal, it got hurt from it, and it spat. Yeah, it like, like it, it clogged its throat, so it spits it back out, and he just totally hits Dan Kaluuya's truck. Oh, yeah. Um, so then it hovers over their house, and inside are Kiki Palmer and Brandon Perea, and they're there just, like, trying to make sure that the thing doesn't suck up the roof and try to eat them. And then it decides to belch out the blood and all the indigestible things it had in its body. And it is one of the most horrifying sequences I've seen in a while because like, it's like Carrie on a house. It's yeah, it's Carrie on a house. But right before that, you just hear these inhuman screaming of the people inside its body. And it goes like time to crush you all. It all, they all stop. The screaming stops. 
and then it just pukes out the blood and the the, the 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 keys and the coins and the wallets and oh it was horrifying and just to see everything hit the house and oh my gosh i thought to myself like this is horrifying and but i love it because it's like again who but jordan peele would be like you know what i want this alien to pull a carry but on an entire house well here's the thing that jordan peele does he takes and he does this in all his movies he takes b horror but then decides no guys it's actually happening what would that really be like if a b horror plot moment actually happened your mind and brain and body wouldn't be able to handle it. And that's one thing I like as well. He's like, no, those be horror plots. That is horrific. If you really like, if you make it real enough. And that's one thing this movie really achieved very well. Something else that it achieves so well is that once you see the whole film, if you're even a remote cinephile like us, Mm -hmm. you immediately go, Oh, that's M night Shyamalan. That's Steven Spielberg. That's this movie, that's that movie, et cetera, et cetera. Close Encounters, the third kind. Yeah, Close Encounters, Signs, uh, Jaws, all that stuff. But, but, (laughs) it is so unique. It basically goes like, I want to do what M. Night Shyamalan did, but I want to do it with with like a squid, giant squid thing made out of thread. Yeah. Like. That floats. Yeah, the, the fact that he... The fact that he's homaging these films, these stories that he loved as a child, but he he goes like, but this is how I would do it. It's it's just so much fun. It, you know, it's like when it's kind know, of his take on like a Lovecraftian ancient creature a little bit. Yes, a yes, little. exactly, exactly. It's this thing older than time, or as long as we know, and, listen, and it's just been around. Listen, I love a t- a good Tarantino movie as much as the next guy. But when he homages something, he just blatantly just copies it straight yeah. up. What Jordan Peele does is that he goes like, oh, the ranch under alien invasion from signs, but it's a Hollywood horses ranch and there are no there are no green men. It's yeah. the actual ship or it's the actual ship itself. That's something I appreciate that he he at least gives thought to how to differentiate from the stuff that inspired him, which I think a lot of filmmakers could take a note from, you know, um, again, there are great moments of tension in this film. There are great moments of levity in this film. And for all of those who work in the film industry, there are these little touches and jokes that you're that make that the tickle film, your heart. That tickle your heart. There's the, there was this one beat in the film where a character has to reload a film camera. Oh and, my god! And and everyone oh. else in everyone else in the audience was like, okay, whatever. Oh. But the three of the three of us, anyone who ever worked on a set was like, oh god, oh god, oh god. This Literally, is just my knuckles strained, and I had to clench my arms. Because I knew, I knew, though I hadn't done ver- done it very often, and you took a class for it, I did not. But I knew what he was going through to like, like reload the camera in as quickly as he's possible, while the DP is basically silently telling you to hurry the fuck up, is <laughs> both mentally and physically just agonizing. Exactly. Oh. Exactly, exactly. Stuff like that. I, I really appreciate it. Again, I doubt 
uh, Jordan Peele was like, this movie is for everyone who's worked on a set. No, no, no. But no. It, it's it's fun to include something that he's like, there's going to be people out in the audience who who's going to know why this is so like like stress inducing. And I, and oh, I yeah. appreciate that. Again, uh, Nope is my favorite of Jordan Peele's movies right now. Uh, it's my I, second favorite. Right I, I, I feel like I feel like it, you know, notwithstanding the Jupiter Park stuff. I feel like the stuff with the Haywood siblings is really, really strong. Uh, I feel like the supporting cast shines just enough to stand out, but not too much that they overshadow OJ or Emerald. Uh, Kiki Palmer is going to have a long, illustrious career in Hollywood. And Mm -hmm. listen, people, Dan Kaluuya has got to be in more movies. I don't know if he's just picky with his roles, but I want to see him in at least one movie a year. He's he's a great... He's a great leading man. He has great presence. Can listen, listen. He needs to do Othello. I'm saying it now, on the record. There. Yeah, he he really does need to do Othello. He and, would be uh, so good. He'd win another Oscar. Like we know that if yeah. he did it, because it would be so incredible. I'm I'm still salty that Denzel never got to do Othello in the '90s. Listen, it's be, listen. We can focus on that. Hell, I'm salty that Idris Elba didn't do Othello when he was younger. He would have been amazing, but he didn't get to do it. So <laughs> yeah, I, but now you have an opportunity to get a great actor to do it just right, and it would be so amazing. But hey, he can pick the projects he wants to pick, of course. You know, I feel about Jordan Peele. The way people feel about like the what are their names the the everything everywhere all at once guys no oh, yeah the, Daniels the, the Daniels right like they're gonna do something that's off kilter a little out there but whereas I think the Daniels relish and just being weird as out there as possible I feel like Jordan Peele is trying to ground this as best he can. Sometimes it doesn't work for me. It didn't work for me when with the bigger picture in us and it kind of threw me off with get out. But here I really do think it works. I really, really do think it works. And you know what? Honestly, if I had to choose between Jordan Peele or Taika Waititi over directing the Akira adaptation, I want, I want Jordan Peele. I mean, I, I just do. Uh, Taika Waititi's I sense of humor. Pe- I, I respect Jordan Peele for saying, you know what? It, it's not, it's not right. No, yeah, he he was offered Warner Brothers offered it to him and he turned it down. He's like, nah, I, I, I can't do it. And you know, I do love though, and I think you were going to mention this earlier in the review, see yeah. that at the third act he does a very blatant shout out to uh, Akira in in the film, and we see it in the second trailer. And you know what? I loved it. It was really well done, and it was mm-hmm. one of those things where I was like, oh man, you really don't want to do Akira because. I just don't t- trust Taika Waititi to do it justice. You know, I, I feel See, like I have more faith than you do, but we can get into that later. Yeah, we can get into that if the movie ever does come out or whenever these two guys make another film. Mm-hmm. For me, I just, you know, Taika Waititi doesn't know when to turn off the funny. Jordan Peele very much knows when to turn off the funny and mm-hmm. then when to turn it back on at the appropriate level. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, because, again, there's going to be moments in this film where you laugh and it's never anything where it's like we have to stop being dramatic for the sake of a joke. It's more like, hey, here's this little character building joke that it kind of informs character. And it, and it works. For instance, one of the things that made me laugh a lot and when I thought about it, I was like, oh, that makes so much sense. 
and we you heard it in the trailer. She goes, "My great 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 or my great 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 grandfather," and he's and Dan Kaluuya says, "Great." And she goes like, "Oh, another great in there," and when you think about it, you realize, oh, she was copying her dad's monologue word for word, but because she's his daughter, she has to add another great to it. She just didn't because she was just memorizing it word know. for word. Yeah, and it's stuff like that that informs that lets you know that even though she's like, I don't want to do. Also, there's another running joke in here where every time Daniel Kaluuya tries to get Kiki Palmer to do work, she's like, ah, no. And it's funny. Mm-hmm. So it makes you might think like, oh, she's just being lazy. But when you realize that she genuinely does care about the business, it's just that, you know, she's she's not the type to do manual labor. So, again, mm-hmm. again, stuff that informs character. I love that kind of stuff. So, uh, see, how about you give us your uh, your score for this movie? All right. My score using our scale, but I, I cheat a lot, so I'm going to slightly adjust it. This movie was fucking original. That's what I give it. It's it's more than flush. I can't give it a full fucks, but it was fucking original. And yes, you should see this in theaters. You absolutely should. Okay, so for me, this was uh, extraterrestrial flush. flush. Mm-hmm. Uh, this movie did not fuck for me because... I just felt like there's a big chunk of the movie missing to make it more coherent. And you know, the, the, the spectacle sequences, they needed, they were a little rough around the edges, but you know what? Yeah. This is something you need to see in theaters. Um, it's, it's a ton of fun in the third act. It, it goes out there and it's so original and its own thing that you just don't see that a lot with movies of, of this scale. You just really don't. I mean, if listen, I'm not going to be like, oh, I'm sick and tired of superhero movies. But if you're someone who's like, uh, I'm not really feeling seeing the new Thor, watch Nope. It's a ton of fun. Oh, yeah. um, it's a ton of fun. It has a bunch of great performances. And if you're a fan of of Get Out and Us, then yes, you're going to be a fan of this. If you didn't care as much for those two films, I think you're going to like this more. This This has the most narratively consistent plot of any of the of the jordan peele movies for my in my opinion so if stuff like that bothered you in us and get out there's not that problem here um so yeah this to me was a extraterrestrial flush i really really think that you guys should go see it uh, in theaters in theaters with some popcorn with your friends and just marvel at just how crazy it is um so yeah uh that's, I guess that's it for our review. Uh, yeah. I, yeah. I, this is, we're almost to review 20. I, I wonder what this our 20th. episode 18, man. Yeah. I wonder what our 20th review is going to be. I mean, it's going to happen. Barney like, Live. No, I'm just kidding. You know, it's so weird I'm that Dan Kaluuya is producing a Barney movie. I can't get, I, oh my God. I was joking, but I forgot that he actually is doing that. And he's excited for it. Oh my God. All right. Well, hey. <laughs> We'll see how L- that listen, goes Listen, listen, Dan, Dan Kaluuya again. Like, let's let, let's see. I first saw him in Sicario. Mm-hmm. He did Get Out. Then he did Black Panther. Then he did Widows. Mm-hmm. Then Queen and Slim. Uh, huh. Uh, then he did. Apparently he did a play of a Christmas Carol, oh, but then wow. but then after Queen and Slim he did Judas and the Black Messiah. Then mm-hmm. he did Nope. Yep. Like like listen, 
I may not care for Get Out and you know Widows I felt like the ending was he was I liked Widows oh he was he was was terrifying he was great in Widows just the way his character gets resolved I was like really that's how you do it I also like I like Queen and Slim because we there's a character in that movie that ever we you and I both thought was unrealistic but a very close friend of yours said no he that character is 100% accurate and we had to take his word for it (laughs) no yeah that oh really I was like what really the people like the uncle exist yeah his next movie is called The Upper World, so... Interesting. Okay. Uh, who's directing that? Uh... Oh, no director's been attached to it, but Dan Kaluuya's It means produced... he wants to do it, and he needs to find a, a director. Okay, okay. Well, all right, everybody. Uh, this has been What Do You Think? And our review of Nope. I'm Al. I'm C. Laters. Good night, everybody.